Hello, and welcome to Backyard Catch. This is your host, Nick Roby. I'm here with um, our special guest, Mr. Will Harper. How are you doing today, Will? Doing good. How about you, Nick? I'm good. It's good to jump in. We have our um, also our podcast sponsor, Oliver. He's hanging out with us. Yes, yeah, so if you hear some pitter-patter of Paul's and maybe an occasional bark, we do apologize in advance. Um, he kind of does his own thing. So uh, he may be around and pitter-pattering uh, throughout the podcast. So. Right. He's very supportive. Yes, he, he <laughs> loves sports too. <laughs> so Will has kindly um, agreed to jump in and join in on uh, Backyard Catch. And so Will, I thought it might be good just for listeners to get a little background of you. Where did your love for sports start? Like what was your first memories of that? How did you, um, you remember as a kid growing up with sports? Yeah. So growing up, I uh, played t-ball, which led to baseball. I played basketball, played football, played one year of soccer. Hated it, although I've grown to appreciate soccer as an adult. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I played all kinds of sports growing up. Uh, both my parents love sports. Um, my dad's family are all South Carolina Gamecock fans. Most mm-hmm. of them went there. Uh, my mom's family are all North Carolina Tar Heel fans. None of them went there, but my right. granddad was a fan and just right. passed it through. So I kind of grew up in a split household, half yeah. South Carolina, half North Carolina. So yeah. Well, what's the well, what's the true Carolina then? If you're on both sides of it, what, when you say Carolina, like who? When I say Carolina, it depends what month of the year it is. <laughs> uh, okay. So right now in January, um, in my mind, I'm thinking North Carolina. Um, but yeah, I would say overall, since since I am a South Carolina alum. Um, South Carolina is the true Carolina. Sorry, Mom, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so South Carolina, North Carolina fan. Uh, professionally, um, I'm kind of a homer, uh, like all the local teams. So the Panthers, I've only ever known the Panthers. I was born in 90, so I know they came in 95. But right, right. I don't remember the NFL pre-Panthers. Um, so I've always liked the Panthers. Um, the Braves, I'm a huge Braves fan. I'm probably – the Braves are probably my favorite team of all teams across sports. Um, so, yeah, so I love the Braves. Um, the Hornets, even though we're not very good, um, I do like the Hornets. A um, couple of my favorite players growing up, um, my first player that I loved individually was John Elway. Okay. Yeah, so um, I love John Elway. Had his jersey as a seven-year-old kid. Um, loved Michael Jordan growing up, even though he was with the Bulls, and that was before I really knew about the Hornets and Bulls and everything. Sure. I just love Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and then of course Chipper Jones. Right. So right, if you're if you're a kid growing up in the South that's a Braves fan, then you have no choice but to love Chipper Jones. Right. Yeah. I mean, switch hitter, you can like play everything, and it was it was awesome. So, yeah. yeah. Arguably the greatest third baseman of all time. Yeah, it is true. I mean, he's definitely out there with the switch hitters. I mean, it's pretty much him, Mickey Mantle, um, Eddie Murray. Oh, yeah. From back in back in the day with the Orioles, I mean, there's that's pretty up there. He'll be he'll be in the Hall of Fame too. It's pretty crazy to think about how many like Hall of Famers will end end up being on that bra- on those Braves teams. Oh yeah, because you've already got what you've got Glavin and Chipper Maddox. actually got introduced last year, so he's he's in there now. He's in there now. Oh yeah, yeah. I that. Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz. So all three starters on one team. Three starters Hall on one Famers, team. Yeah. yeah, and then Chipper's gonna make or Chipper's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they got a, had a lot of talent. It's kind of a shame we only have one championship to show for it. But I know we're we're on the comeback. Um, yeah. We've got some young talent, which hopefully we can talk about some other time. Uh, maybe as baseball season gets closer. Yeah, but yeah, we've uh, we're looking good for this year. Yeah, well, that's awesome. 
Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna um, jump in and kind of go from there. We thought it'd be fun to jump in and talk about uh, just kind of a little side note from aftermath of the college football season. You know, with Clemson winning the title, and now um, there's a lot of uh, just transfer. Everything just kind of goes down like right after. Um, the season officially ends, and now we have the official transfer portal that has been introduced this year. Um, great name, by the way. Great name, by the way. So maybe for people who don't know what that is, what's kind of the process been kind of looking like as players are trying to figure out what they're doing, if they're staying on their team or not? So what the transfer portal is, is I've heard it described as the college football waiver wire. So essentially it's a database where any player looking to transfer – can enter into the transfer portal. And essentially, it's a way for all other teams to know, hey, this player is available and wants to transfer. Right. So it essentially opens up a second recruiting of this player. Sure. Um, I don't know why they call it the transfer portal. Yeah, I was seems... thinking the transfer um, – Oh, I can't think of anything right this second, but anything's better than portal pretty much. Yeah, I think in soccer it's even called the transfer window. Or like a trans, you know, they have they have that whole system over there. Right. The portal makes it seem like they're going into like another dimension or something. <laughs> they get to like rechoose their team. Oh yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that's gone down. I mean, obviously early as a Clemson Tiger fan, I was hearing about all your Kelly Bryant and end up deciding to use and um, and left the team after the year, and now he's transferring. But I was even then when they were talking about it, they didn't use portal. It was like mm-hmm. since then. Um, now he, as some of you might know, is now with Missouri, which would be interesting to see how that kind of flows. As they were with um, the quarterback before, they were more of a um, Drew Locke. They were more of a gunslinging kind of an offense with him, his arm, and with Bryant more being a running quarterback. That's going to be interesting to see. I'm not sure how that will all flow. but um, Yeah, so as a South Carolina grad and fan, um, we play Missouri every year in the SEC East because, again, Missouri in the East makes perfect sense. Right. I mean, the farthest west team makes perfect <laughs> exactly. sense in the East Coast. Um, so I've seen Missouri every year since they joined the SEC. Um, and they have talent at running back, which I think is going to help Kelly a lot. Okay. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of um, RPOs, a lot of option plays where Kelly can use his legs, which is his best quality. Right. I mean, that's him being a dual threat, I think, makes him more of a better – because he can throw. He's just not the best at um, – so as a Clemson Tiger fan, just noticing the difference between the two, it wasn't that Kelly wasn't a good quarterback. It seemed more that his just specialty was running and then being able to throw when guys were open versus Trevor – being able to throw and anticipate more of those throws, as we've seen, and then using his legs as kind of a, um, an off-speed, kind of the difference. It's all interesting to see. So now we have the whole transfer portal, and now it seems like a bunch of players have, have just been signed to jump and switch. Um, and so the biggest ones are probably – our biggest ones are probably like Tate Martell is now leaving Ohio State, and we have uh, the backup QB from Oklahoma – forgetting his name for a second. Um, he's put his name in as well. And then Justin Fields is probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. So, Will, with all that's going down, I mean, what do you what do you think, just as an SEC guy, seeing Fields go from, you know, a big rival in Georgia and now going to Ohio State, how has how, that all gone down from your perspective? I'm happy to see him leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, 
we got stoned by Georgia this year, and it's probably not going to be pretty next year either whenever we have to travel to Georgia. But um, he didn't play against us this year. Fromm played the whole game. He played the whole game. And the last we saw of Justin Fields was the epic, terrible fake punt call in the SEC championship game. Right. Um, but he's uber talented. Mm-hmm. He, he and Lawrence were the top two prospects um, coming out of high school last year for a reason. We've yeah. seen We've seen Lawrence and what he can do. Um, Fields is a Cam Newton clone, I would yes. say. Yeah. Um, he was just behind from right, yeah. just behind from at Georgia. So I, for one, am happy to see him leave. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not going to beat us unless we make the playoff, which I don't see happening. But go Cox. Um, so yeah, I, I think for him. I mean, it was a smart move because Fromm's established. Fromm's good. Fromm's not going to hurt Georgia. He's not going to make turnovers. He's not going to make bad decisions. He's going to take care of the ball, let his playmakers make plays, and go right. about his business that way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, for Fields, I think it was a good idea. Now, the more interesting thing for me as an SEC guy is what's Jalen Hurts going to do. Sure, yeah. Because he is also in the transfer portal. Um, Tua has established that job at Alabama. Even though yeah. he didn't play great in the championship, I mean they're not they're not going to replace right. Hurts, you know, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. So, I think it, it is interesting because everyone was. I think that was a very mature move of him to stay mm-hmm. and not go. I think it's it's very easy to um, compare the Kelly Bryant situation at Clemson and the Jalen Hurts situation um, because Kelly, this was his last year, and if he played another game after Georgia Tech he would have lost his eligibility for next year. And right. so it's understandable hey, if he wants to go to the NFL as a quarterback, he needed more on tape to prove that while well, his Hurts had another had another year of eligibility after this year. And so it will be really interesting. Will, have you heard anything of like where he might go or speculation? Um, I'm not pretending to be an insider by any means. <laughs> I saw on ESPN where sure. um, he, he visited Maryland last night um, – and I saw where Miami's another option, and I've heard of Oklahoma as well. Yeah. So any of these teams who maybe are on the cusp um, of mm-hmm. making the playoff, not saying that Miami and Maryland are, but teams like Oklahoma, um, of course with Kyler Murray, who's going to be the big topic of our conversation today, mm-hmm. um, with him leaving no matter what, whether they go to the Major League Baseball um, or to go to the NFL draft, right? he's gone after this year. So yeah. he's, he's played his last game as a Sooner. Um, so if Jalen were to somehow go to Oklahoma to bridge um, between Kyler and Spencer Rattler, who they have coming in this year, who's mm-hmm. probably the top quarterback in high school right now coming out, um, mm-hmm. that could be very interesting because um, he could have a very good chance of playing against Alabama next year in the playoff as well, which would be very that exciting was, to see. That would be a big matchup. I mean, I can just picture right now a 4-1 matchup with Oklahoma and him getting – and just playing his like lights off best game or getting stuff because they know exactly <laughs> what he's able to do. Exactly. So that'll be really interesting um, exactly. to see. I, is it? I think he could be. It could be really cool, Oklahoma. It is interesting though because him, his style of his strength is not what traditionally in the past recent years of what Oklahoma quarterbacks have been. He's very mobile, which other ones have been, but their probably their arms and talent has been a lot better and more accurate versus what. Hurts can bring, um, and so it'll it'll be interesting to see. I think, and then Fields, as you said, we might know, is going to Ohio State, 
which um, all that is interesting because with Haskins going pro after just the one year, I mean, it was a pretty epic year. I think he had like 50 touchdowns. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. It's something ridiculous, which is like it's hard to pass it up. And then especially with Herbert coming back to Oregon, it makes the, the top quarterback being taken very open. So it would make sense why Haskins would want to go and, and get paid. Correct. Um, as the kids say. And so it just I feel like there's a there's a wide open range of what the quarterback play will look like next year. I mean, because we have the tradition – we'll have the two talents, of which will be the talk all summer, and then I think in the next year of Lawrence and Tua, which is understandable because they're these young guys who we just watched in a championship game. But then we also have the other guys. Like we haven't. I think the fun part about Fields is that he was just as um, coveted and sought after as Lawrence was, but we don't. We have not seen nearly as much. He's like this mystery man. Um, as a joke in college, we used to want to say that's how we want a girl to describe us. Is we want to be mysterious because like they're intrigued, but they don't. They want to see more. That's how I feel about Justin Fields. Um, so we'll we'll see. I I think him. In the Ohio State offense, I think will fit him pretty well, uh, and I think with Ryan Day now as the coach, there's a lot of. I think that they'll play a lot better next year. Just with, I think, just there is a huge um, like weight over the team this year, and I think if he can get the um, the request to play next year, which is all seems like it will, because with Tate Martell then leaving. It makes it seem like, and he was pretty confident he was going to play, and then all of a sudden he leaves. makes it seem like Fields can play right away. So That's what I'm thinking, that's too. That's what you're thinking, too. And then Ryan Day is going to make sure that offense brings out the best of Fields. Yeah. Um, so the last thing we see of Fields and our memory of Fields won't be that terrible fake punt call in the SC Championship game. I'm still game. amazed Almost as bad as the fake field goal attempt that Alabama had <laughs> in the playoff championship game which was worse somehow than the fake punt um, I know which was like it just a few weeks ago we like how how do you have a worse call like that but and Nick Saban somehow in a very un-Nick Saban characteristic way mm-hmm. found a way to top right Kirby and his fake right special teams but what, and, and on a side note that's what makes those, those calls so interesting is because if that field goal somehow fake field goal somehow works Alabama comes back even makes it respectable um, we're talking about the brilliance of Saban and exactly. like the guts, the gutsy and the moxie and all that, all those fun phrases we like to say on. It's crazy how one decision and the outcome of it, that's not even in your hands as a coach. It's in the hands of your players to sure. deem your reputa- reputation. Right. And Saban has over the past few years had a play like that mm-hmm. um, to help his team come back and win in a, in a, do or die type of game. And you could tell Clemson knew it was coming though because they had, I think, what, seven people standing behind the line of scrimmage? They were in, it was like, what was it, fourth and six on like the 30 yard line. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like a long field goal. It was a medium sized field goal for like a college kicker if you, you would trust him to make the field goal. And we, and we had like, we were in field goal safe, had like seven guys back ready to go. And they had the, the, they faked it to the kicker and the kicker just ran forward as the lead blocker. For then the punter to then holder to then go and run. So you you must not know about Bama kickers. <laughs> Bama kickers are notorious for being awful. They um, are, which I've is got a, which I've is got a amazing, buddy, right? Um, as good as the teams are, that the kickers are awful. I've got a buddy um, who I went to seminary with um, who graduated from Alabama, 
and he was with us there at seminary, and um, he told us about the history of Bama kickers. And it's something that I've noticed uh, since then and how um, they're not that great. But apparently they have a good one coming in next year. Uh, so we'll okay. see We'll see how um, kicking freshman Bama player does next year. Yeah. It is amazing in football how that all can come down to a guy with that one specialty. And I guess they just don't want to spend a scholarship on it, but maybe look into it more. Okay. So – that's kind of the um, the landscape now. It'll be interesting. You know, Herbert will come back as a senior at Oregon. You've got all these guys coming in. Who who is you think is your hot? Um, if you were going to guess right now, how would you rank? Like who's potential for winning the Heisman? For winning year? the Heisman next year, or, or being in the conversation? I would say gotcha. who's, who's your top three to five? Um, I'd say the top three you just named. So well, Herbert Lawrence Tua. Okay. Um, those are going to be your top three, probably not in that order. Lawrence is probably the top option after his championship yeah. performance. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, two and Herbert are going to be up there at least to start the season. Sure. Um, Fields, if he can play, which we're assuming he is, um, he's going to be up there. Whichever quarterback starts for Oklahoma, I mean, you, got you to have be, to put in the top they've five. They've won the, pack, the, the past two years. So it's like automatically exactly. whoever's playing quarterback. So if it ends up being Hurts, that could be very interesting. Um, if he's the one who ends up being the man to get the call at Oklahoma, I don't know if he can win the Heisman per se, but mm-hmm. he may he may be in position to lead that team to to make a really good run. Um, that's that's all I can think of right this second. The big names sure, to look sure. out for, but I'm sure as we get into the season, there's going to be um, some surprises that pop up, kind of like Lamar Jackson did several years ago. Right. Coming into this season, I mean, people knew he was good, but right. when he came out and dominated, they kind of turned heads. Right, and that's the nature of the Heisman is that they make these boards and then there's always somebody who comes out we weren't really talking about, and then that they become part of the conversation of, like, who's really going to win. Um, and it's usually a quarterback, so I don't know. Like, I, I guess, I, yeah, I would say Tua, Lawrence. Lawrence is probably number one right now just because of, that's the recency of it. Tua will play better. And he'll be put just as high. So it'll be very interesting to see. And I think if Herbert, um, if his, if Oregon can play better, I think he's got the talent and the offense to fit in of what he does. The problem is that their defense hasn't been good to keep him in games. And even though it is one person, it is, it is also a representative team award of how well the team does. You know, you can't have a – there's not usually like a four or five loss team their their quarterback or running back to win. So it'll be very interesting to see. It's a very long way off, but um, it's exciting. I'm already excited for, for next year, you know, I'm excited for August. So we're going to um, – the big thing we want to talk about was Kyler Murray, kind of the hot topic of um, being this two-sport athlete who is so good at both of them. He got drafted in the first round. He got drafted ninth overall. This past summer, I believe, ninth overall to the Oakland A's um, for at, at a uh, signing bonus of or his contract is four million seven hundred six seven hundred sixty one million dollars um, for playing in the first round, and so going in the first round, and so now, um, and that was kind of the assumption that he was going to play the one year as the quarterback for Oklahoma, and then he was going to go pro in baseball, which seemed like a very straightforward thing to do. It was almost kind of like well. They trust him enough not to get hurt. He'll be a good transfer from Baker Mayfield, and then he'll play well, and then Oklahoma will find somebody else, and they'll go to baseball and ride off into the sunset. And then he goes and wins the Heisman, takes Oklahoma back to the playoff, 
Um, and even though they had a terrible first quarter, brought them back to being a respectable game. I just want to run through the numbers really quick. He went 260 for 377 passes, threw for almost 70% completion, which is pretty good, threw for 4,300 yards, averaged about 11.6 yards per attempt. Um, so he's averaging throwing past the first down per attempt, which is pretty pretty incredible. I think it looked like it was one of the highest, if not the highest in the country. Threw for 42 touchdowns, which is a lot, and only seven picks. And so in a, in a season where he played, what, 14 games, he had like ha- averaged half a pick a game. Um, as a first-year starter, he had basically didn't get any playing time the past couple of years. So that's him in that. And then baseball last year, he hit 296, almost hit 300, which is really good. Um, 13 doubles, 10 home runs, 47 RBIs, hit 556 slugging, which is really good, and had an on-base percentage of basically 400. So that's those are really good baseball stats. And so that's kind of where he is right now, and he's projected to be another first-round um in the NFL as well. And this is pretty, hasn't been seen since the likes of like a Bo Jackson, probably have we seen a guy been this talented in both sports. So Will, if you were Kyler, what would you do? That is the question, isn't it? Um, a quick tidbit on Kyler before I kind of jump into going through my pros and cons list on it. I saw Kyler play as a freshman when he was at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Um, he played again against McGame Cox. And he was unstoppable running. His passing wasn't developed yet. Right. But he ran all over us. Right. Um, I think he ran for over 100 yards that game. Wow. Um, and it was his first start after Kyle Allen had got benched. It was his first start. Right. Um, and it came against us. And like came I said, yeah. he, uh, he dominated. Um, so when I saw where he was transferring to Oklahoma, I was happy then too. I was like, okay, don't want Kyler. Um, but yeah, so – what should Kyler do? Um, I kind of want to go down a few pros and cons, and then we can talk them out and kind of get your thoughts on them too. Um, first of all, with football, what are the big pros for football? I think uh, the, the main thing with football is that if you go pro in football mm-hmm. and you are a quarterback and you get drafted in the first round, you are an instant star. There yeah. are 32 of those guys in the world. Right. Starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And then every um, first-round draft pick as a quarterback is expected by their fan base to be their starter right. from day one. It doesn't always happen. We saw this past year with Lamar. He came for Flacco towards the end. Um, it took Tyrod getting hurt mm-hmm. for um, Baker to get the field. Sure. But in your fan base's eyes, if you're drafting the first round as a quarterback, you are their starting quarterback, and you are an instant star. It's not It's not an if, it's a win exactly. in the first year. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so instant stardom um, for that. Also, football is a sexier sport than baseball. Um, yeah. Baseball, As a baseball fan, I, you have to admit that exactly. football is the sexier one. Baseball is America's pastime, um, but football is America's playtime. Mm. So football is king right now. Um, so if you get a chance to play football or baseball, if you're equally talented in both, football's the sexier sport, more notoriety, more coverage, right, right. Uh, more face time through that. Um, also in football, there's a quicker earning potential. So as sure. um, a first-round 
draft pick in the NFL. I think you got some numbers on what yes. Lamar and Baker got last just, year. Just as a reference, um, so Baker Mayfield went first overall to the Cleveland Browns. Um, he signed a four-year, $32.68 million contract with a 21.85 signing bonus. So then basically not all that money is guaranteed. The signing bonus is, but the rest of that is up there. And then Lamar Jackson, who I believe was – was he the last? I think he was – he was very late. Very late. Very I late. can't remember. I know that they traded the up to get him. Yeah. yeah. I want to say it was in the 30s. But anyway, as a late first rounder, and also in football, all the first rounders are four-year contracts, it looks like, now with the new um, player agreement. And so his is four-year, $9.47 million, um, with a $4.97 um, guaranteed signing bonus. And then again, his baseball contract with the Oakland A's, is four point seven six million, but all that is guaranteed, right? Um, and so that's kind of just as a basis, right? Um, so yeah, with with football and the quicker earning potential, as you can see, both of those numbers, um, even though they're not guaranteed, are higher numbers than his contract as the sure. number nine overall pick in baseball. I think he yeah, was number nine. Um, so just off the bat, right there, um, and those contracts, like I said, or like Nick said, they're four year deals, fifth year options. You're on your second contract by the time you're 26, 27 years old. Sure. Whereas in baseball now, um, and we, we saw it with our Braves and Ronald Acuna this year, um, you have – so you play, and then once you hit a certain amount of time, you become arbitration eligible. Mm-hmm. After your arbitration years, you hit free agency. So we saw with Bryce and Machado this year – they're really young to be free agents, and they're both 26, 27 years yeah, old. Yeah. Um, the average player hits free agent in baseball 29 or 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way, as we can see in this offseason in baseball, teams are much more hesitant now to hand out those massive long-term contracts. Right. Um, we see it, we're seeing a lot of one-, two-year deals, not even many three-year deals. Even um, in just the past year. Um, exactly. I remember a guy like a – for baseball fans, a Mike Moustakis who like became a free agent because that's, that's what you're told to do as your agent. And then he had to sign for a lot less money um, just because of the way that now with all the numbers in baseball, they're really pushing for teams to have these smaller contracts. Cause what, you know, you have a guy like uh, John Carlos Stanton who's had a 10 year um, $300 million contract. That's a lot of money, even for as good of a player he is to put on one guy. Right. So you're seeing a lot of the free agent contracts where in baseball they used to be there, they're kind of going away. GMs are getting smarter. They're wanting to um, kind of build from the draft, from uh, the younger guys on their, their arbitration and pre-arbitration contracts mm-hmm. and trying to win that way. And sure. then finding um, fill-in guys to, to piece right. the rest of your roster holes. Um, so, yeah, with football, there's quicker earning potential because if you're a quarterback – and you are a top 10 quarterback, you're getting paid whenever you're 25, 26 years old. Your second contract is going to be massive. Because in the NFL, too, a lot of the good teams you see now, like Russell Wilson in his beginning, and then the the Rams now are both examples. Wilson was on his rookie contract making hardly nothing. Goff currently on his rookie contract not making much. You can pay other people around these quarterbacks to win. but all these quarterbacks, if they're good enough, they're getting that contract, their second contract, third contract, and they're making money. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are my three really big pros 
for football. Do you have anything else that you think of as a big pro for it's football? It's a big pro. I think there's also, um, like you said back in the beginning, um, you get more notoriety, I think, as a quarterback, um, too, as your fan base. I think even just from, like, uh, endorsements, I think that's another factor of that. Um, that's been a struggle in baseball right now where the commissioner and Mike Trout, who's arguably probably the best player in baseball right now, and that he's not making enough or not doing enough to promote the game. I think baseball is trying to figure out how do we promote these guys better and sign endorsements. Whereas in football and the NBA, it's a lot easier for them, for their stars to sign other contracts as well. So for a guy, um, a guy not coming from a whole lot or just coming from average means, then sign this million dollar contracts and then immediately probably have some kind of an endorsement or two. That's a lot very fast. So right. um, if a big goal is money, then I think football is a big, immediate way to go. Um, I think the hard part with football is that not all of that is guaranteed. And to say if he gets hurt, there's a lot of other things of like, will he actually get all the rest of his money and he'll just kind of have be a one and done type of thing if he right. just ends up giving a backup. And I think that's the hard part with Murray is that um, – the best thing, if he, the best thing, his greatest abilities are running, be able to do RPOs with his arm, and so and we've seen that those guys can go really well. But then, running a running quarterback, the shelf life is just a lot smaller than like a sitting back. You know, it's different than what Drew Brees or Tom Brady are really good at. And not that Kyler can't keep continuing to develop his arm. We even see like a guy like a Cam Newton who is really good. But his MVP season is now becoming more of an outlier versus like the norm of who he is. And so I think it's just factors of of that as well. But I guess, not to steal your thunder, but you, you go into, um, <laughs> you can, I guess you, you have some cons of football yeah. as well. Um, biggest con, you kind of hit on just now, is that it's, it's the more dangerous sport. Sure. Um, especially for Kyler. I think he's 5'11", 215. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not a big... 6'3", 6'4", 230, 240-pound quarterback, like it's kind of your prototypical quarterback now. Um, he's a smaller guy. And if Cam Newton, who in college was literally Superman, running over defensive linemen, linebackers, outrunning yeah. safeties, doing all that stuff, and then in the NFL, I've seen people tackle him one-on-one. Um, many, many times. Mm-hmm. In college, you didn't see that. Whenever we drafted, um, I say we because I'm a Panthers fan. Uh, whenever we drafted Cam, um, I was like, man, no one's going to be able to tackle this guy because I was in the building whenever he beat South Carolina in the SEC championship. Right, yeah. Um, and I witnessed it firsthand. I hated him. I love him now. Um, but yeah, but, but I saw it then and I was thinking, man, no one's going to be able to tackle this guy. Like, it's going to take three or four guys to tackle him. And then he's going down one-on-one in the NFL. So, in the NFL, Kyler will not be the fastest guy on the field. Um, people will be able to catch him. Defensive linemen that are 350 pounds. Um, if that comes down on your throwing shoulder, that's not good. Right. Um, so, definitely the more dangerous sport. Um Another big con with football is the enormous amount of pressure that's put on your shoulders. Uh, so as I said earlier, with being a first-round quarterback, you're expected to start from day one by your fan base. Um, if you do start from day one, 
you're also expected to be the man because mm-hmm. we spent a first-round pick on you. So there's a ton of pressure on your shoulders to perform as a first-round quarterback. Right. Um, and we, we've seen it work plenty of times. We've also seen it not work plenty of times. Jamarcus Russell is the first one that comes to mind. Right. Um, of where he had all this potential. He was drafted very early by the Raiders, maybe, first overall. I think he was can't first, remember. first overall, yeah. And probably the biggest bust of all time in the draft. Yeah, it's definitely um, up there. So it's a ton of pressure on your shoulders. Sure, and more than likely, with the talent that he has, he's going to go to a top 10 team as well. And the, the reason they're in the top 10 is because they weren't very good. Exactly. You know, So it's not a team that has all this nucleus around him like a Jared Goff. You know, right now where he has all this talent around him and it's not as much of a pressure on him, you know, if he was to go to a team like, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of who might be a good example. Like, even just take the Bills, like, um, not very good, can't protect, you know, um, their quarterback right now, Josh Allen. Um, now, he's able to make some plays, but it's not like, it's just a lot of hits on a young right. quarterback. And, and like we said, Coward doesn't have the biggest frame to where you would want him to get a bunch of hits. And side note on Josh Allen, he had a sneaky good year this year as a fantasy player. <laughs> so um, I hope none of my fantasy guys are listening, but he is on my draft board for quarterback this year in the in the late rounds. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, he was surprisingly a really good running quarterback, yeah, which he, I was really he, impressed. Right. He ran for like a touchdown, it seemed like, almost every game at least. Right. And with the Bills, they're, they're going to get him some help at the skill positions. Um, so the Bills – Maybe on the comeback. I'm not sure. Um, I guess we'll kind of see what happens with Brady and the rest of the AFC East. I know. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard to be another team until Brady retires. I think they're all going to throw like a celebration party once he officially retires. I'm pretty sure Brady's a robot, so I don't know if he's ever going to retire. They'll just recharge his batteries and send him back out there. Right, yeah. They just, <laughs> they'll just keep putting him out there. Oh, yeah. All right, any other thing for you on cons? Those were kind of my big ones for, no, I for think, football. I think those are the big cons. Um, I think there's also just a con of it's just a lot of hits on your body. And I think you just have to, to know in football, the more we're learning about concussions, the more we're learning about all those things, even just the brain damage it does, um, and even just learning um, the toll it takes on your body. I think we know, but even just seeing guys as they get older, to know that when you sign up to play football in the NFL – you're going to you're going to get hit, you're going to get hurt and there're just long-term life ramifications of like even if you're okay, you're just going to have some ailments, something, you know, probably for the rest of your life. And so it's just a matter of like if you're okay. And not that you can't get hurt in baseball, there have been very many serious injuries, but it's just different because you are asking your body to to go out there and perform and take hits. And so I think it's just a factor of what you're really passionate about. Um, of what it really, um, I think that's the big part behind all this. What are you really passionate about? I think it's right. really a key to it. But that's part of the big other thought with that. So, right. um, so you want to move on to baseball? Then? Let's do it. All right. Some pros for baseball. Um, piggybacking off the biggest con for football of it being dangerous, one of the biggest pros for baseball is that it's safer. Mm-hmm. Um, in baseball, you're going to get hurt. Everyone gets hurt in baseball. You pull a hammy, you have a sore shoulder, short, sore elbow. Um, since he's not a pitcher, the odds of getting Tommy John are pretty low. Although mm-hmm. it does happen to some some outfielders, which he would play. Um, but overall... You think he would play outfield probably more than shortstop? 
That's that's what I've read. Is that okay. he's viewed a, viewed more as an outfielder. Oh, as an outfielder, that, makes that sense. way with his speed, he can cover a that's lot of sh- ground. That's sure, even just as like a center fielder or a left fielder, it makes right. sense. Okay, and he's got a good size for the outfield, five mm-hmm. eleven. So he's pretty. I mean, he's pretty thick. He's small for a football player, but he's pretty thick for a baseball sure. outfielder. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's a much safer sport to play, even though you play more games. Mm-hmm. You play probably at an older age too, um, which I'll get into. Next, actually. Um, it's a much safer sport to play. Mm-hmm. Which leads to my second one, which there's a longer-term earning potential. So with football, you have a quicker earning potential, but with baseball, it's a more longer-term. Right. Um, although it kind of piggybacks off, too, that what I said about recently, the trend of not overpaying players um, in baseball and free agency. But as a baseball player... Um, you do have a good chance to make a lot of money later on in your career. In football, if you're a first-round pick, um, you play that contract. If you're good enough, you'll make money, you say, a contract. If you bust, that's probably it. You may get a chance to back up somewhere, but you don't see a ton of first-round guys who came in that were looked at to be the man as backups. You don't see that. They're either superstars or they're out. So that's mm-hmm. kind of your 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 two options um, with that. I mean, there there are a couple of guys, Bridgewater, of course, but with his injury, I mean, they kind of made him an exception. Sure. Um, but with baseball, yeah. So there's a chance that once you play out your first contract, make mm-hmm. all that guaranteed money, um, go through arbitration. If you're good enough, you can make a lot of money in arbitration. Sure. And then um, hit free agency as a twenty twenty eight twenty nine year old. Um, even if it's just a one or two year deal, they're paying a lot of money for one or two year deals. The Braves paid Josh Donaldson twenty three million dollars on a one year deal. It's pretty Which good. Is the, the highest, I think it's the highest one year deal in Major League Baseball history. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's there's that, uh, and that's all guaranteed. So the earning potential, while it's not as fast in baseball, there's a chance to make more money in baseball. Sure, and then also the. Um the average career is longer, too, in baseball. I mean, when, when we talk about guys, if they play quarterback for a decade, um, we look at them as that, that being a success. Where in baseball, you know, you very easily see guys who've played for 15 years, and they're not necessarily even a star, but they can just make um, – they just are a good, all-around good player. Right. Um, so it's definitely um, longer. Um, did you have any, any, more, any more pros yep. for baseball? Okay. Uh Potentially the biggest pro for baseball, on top of it being safer and there's a greater longer-term earning potential, is that the money that you sign for is all guaranteed. Mm. So if you sign for $12 million for a one-year deal, you're getting $12 million. Right. If you're Giancarlo Stanton and three or four years ago you signed for 10 years and $325 million, you're getting all $325 million. Mm-hmm. So... If you're looking to make money, which I'm sure Kyler is, all that money you signed for in baseball is guaranteed. You're getting it no matter what. Whether you're whether you're great, whether you're not great, whether you're healthy, whether you're hurt, whether you're in a slump at the plate, whether you're an all-star. Right. You're making that money. Yeah. I mean, they even have the um, – I'm blanking on the name, but the guy from the Mets um, – from back in the 90s. Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla, where he signed what? A tw- it was like a lifetime contract. Pretty much. Where he, he gets makes paid a million dollars a year until 
I don't know, but I think it's like a twenty. It's a twenty-five year contract, and it's very. Uh, they were trying to save up more money at the time, and right. now they're still paying him a million dollars every year. At some point, either last year, year before last, um, when the Mets were really bad, which I mean, they're the Mets. Um, he was their highest paid outfielder. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> he made more money, and he retired. 15, 20, however long ago it was. Mm-hmm. And he made more money that year than any other outfielder on the New York Mets. That's pretty amazing. Yes. So, it's a fun a fun little tidbit. I think it's, it's like July. I want to say July 1st. They it's they call it Bobby Bonilla Day. Bobby Bonilla Day. <laughs> when they reshare the story every year. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Let's All keep right. going. Let's move on. Let's move on to the cons. Um. In baseball, there is no guarantee that you will ever make the major leagues. Right. Even as a first-round pick. We've seen countless examples of first-round picks who never even see the big leagues. Um, there's a ton of potential when they were first drafted, but either they make the big leagues and they're just average, or they don't make it at all. Mm-hmm. If you sign like Kyler Murray did, so he's, what, 21 years old now. Right, yeah. So... Your hundredth day in the league, you're probably going to be still in single A rookie ball. By the time you play your 400th game, there's still no guarantee you're in the big leagues. Whereas in football, I mean, you're the starting quarterback, right. at least in your fan base's eyes. Right, and like we were saying before, there's a, it's even more pressure now because even before you have a guy like an Aaron Rodgers who came in as the uh, the heir to Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers is very talented, but he he sat behind for. I want to say three years yeah, or something, three or something, something. Three, something like that, where it was a significant amount of time. And now you've got like a Pat Mahomes from Kansas City where he sat the first year and that was kind of, and he was like a third round pick. No, they tried into the top 10 for him. They tried a top 10. Yeah. Uh, that's my mistake. Um, but it, anyway, him just not playing for that first year was even surprising. Um, and so now there's just even more pressure on these teams to, to switch it up or even a team like the Ravens who put in Lamar Jackson as a pressure because their team was potentially going to make the playoffs, which they did. Um, just and you could argue that he's the reason they made the playoffs. Right, right. And he's and he has a talent, but he's still um, unpolished as a thrower. As uh, you could see in the first round of playoffs. As you could playoffs. see in the first round of playoffs. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there's just a lot of um, – there's not a guarantee in baseball. Right. And I think a con with that, too, is you have to be patient because – even though you're being paid as a millionaire, you're not. Your lifestyle doesn't change right away. You're still riding, riding buses, buses on double A, like everybody else, um, and being with the team, which is cool. But you're right. You're going in these small towns, playing every day away from your family, um, for like maybe a couple thousand people, and just and so it's just it's a reality of being patient. And waiting um, to get your turn, and not everyone gets to play. Now, as right. a as a first rounder, making a few million dollars, they're going to give you every opportunity to succeed. Maybe more than you deserve at times. Maybe more, just even just to to say that they gave you the best shot they could. Right. So, there's definitely a very good shot. It's not like a, a guarantee, like a small percentage. It's a very good shot. Um, but I mean, like we're saying, even a guy like a Chris Bryant, he's one of the top stars. He took a couple years. In the minors, um, they even kept him in the minors a little bit. His 
rookie year to like make him last longer mm-hmm. um, in arbitration, like we were talking about. So there's just other factors of you just have to be patient. And as a guy, when you've been dreaming about this your whole life, it's very easy to see as football as the shiny new toy, or do you wait in baseball for a couple more years for, for something potentially more stable? Um, but it's not guaranteed right away. Right. All right, and then my last con, I'm going to kind of draw an illustration. So your wife, Noelle, does she mm-hmm. know much about baseball? She knows some. Um, she can probably tell you like what a single is or a double or like what a hit is, but a lot of it's just like what I would explain to her. Like a double, I think I just taught her what a double play was <laughs> this past year. You know, like I, I, right. I, I would have walked it through with right. her. So can she name... Five major league baseball players without you coaching her. You know that's a good question. I don't know. I I, I think I think there's a potential she could, but it would it would be a lot harder than say like football. So she could name five quarterbacks without you coaching, or even five players. Probably five know. players. She also went to South Carolina, so she she could probably right. name a few. It would it would be easier. That's right. for sure. So that leads to my last point of. There's not much star potential in baseball. So you could argue that the biggest star in baseball right now is Bryce Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, because he's, he's a couple years younger than me, um, and we share a last name, no relation. If we are, Bryce, send some money. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so I remember reading about him whenever he was, he must have been like a sophomore in high school when I was a senior. Okay. And yeah. he was in, Vegas, in yeah. like Sports Illustrated or ESPN the magazine something, and they dubbed him the LeBron James of baseball mm-hmm. as a 15, 16-year-old kid. Um, and for the most part, he's lived up to it. Um, he was MVP as a 23-year-old, mm-hmm. um, although the Nationals never made it out of the Divisional Series um, the time that he was there. And, of course, he may still go back now. No, hasn't signed yet. Um you can argue that he's the biggest star in baseball. Most people, most, I'd say pretty much all sports fans know who he is, but there are casual people like Noel. She could possibly know who Bryce Harper is if, if she saw him. Mm-hmm. Um, behind him, um, I don't know that baseball has a transcendent star right now, whereas they have in the past. They've had some transcendent stars. Sure. Um, Mike Trout, as you said, is probably the best player. Mookie Betts is up there. He's one of the best players. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Scherzer is probably the best pitcher. Scherzer and, Scherzer and Kershaw, maybe. But even those guys are not – there's not like a really like um, vibrant personality star. Right. These guys are stars, but they're quieter. Right. So with, with baseball, there's a limited star potential right now at least mm-hmm. with these guys. Um, if you're a starting quarterback in the NFL, you're automatically a star. Right. I People mean, outside of your fan base know who you are. In baseball, um, we as the Braves have a, a kid named Ronald Acuna Jr., mm-hmm. which I know you know who he is because you're a baseball guy like me. Right. Um, the baseball world kind of knows, knows who he is, but he's a, a 20-year-old guy from Venezuela um, who has kind of taken the baseball world by storm um, this past year. So he he has star potential, um, but I don't know if he's the transcendent star that can bring baseball up in the United States. Overseas in Venezuela, um, he'll be massive there. 
because he's a homegrown star from Venezuela. Right. And Everyone's going to know who he is. And those and those players from those countries, like they, um, their countries are so supportive of them. They're basically heroes. Right. Like David Ortiz in um, the Dominican Republic. It's right. like he's a superstar there. They exactly. love him, and it's really cool. But in but in America, there's so many other. That's just not our top sport. Right. As much as it pains me to say that. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah. So that was, that may be the biggest con is baseball. That for Kyler, the most popular he could ever be if he chooses baseball is right now. This could be the peak of his stardom. As right. He has been winning quarterback. Mm hmm. So that's kind of the biggest con. And that's, and that's the ironic part is his biggest stardom would be from football. Exactly. As a baseball player. And exactly. so and so that's the big question now. I mean, we're, we're kind of circling back. Of It, it seems what it's coming down to, it, it, it's really, I mean, like this is going to be in the, in the beginning, it's a personal life decision to where what's the most important thing for you? What is your true passion? Because I think as fans, we can forget how much time and effort and energy it does to put into this into each of these games. It's different. You know, football is a grind, 60 minutes, we're hitting each other, leave it all on the field every week. You know, they play only 16 games, but those are like a lot of, that's a lot of games and a lot of hits. And baseball is a different kind of grind where you're getting up every day and playing the same over and over again, battling through stuff on the road a lot, away from your family a lot. And so there's a lot of training that has to go into all this. Um, so it's really whatever you'd rather do. I do have another question for you. Do you think do you think he could be the next um, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders to try to play both sports? Do you think that's a real possibility or is it just more of a fun thing as we fans talk about? I think that he has the best potential to do it of anyone since Deion. Because mm-hmm. um, when, you, when you think of Deion, you think of football and being a cornerback. Right. But he was also a pretty good outfielder for the Rays. Yeah. He, he, he could play. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that is something that he should try to do um, just because everything now, and I don't know how sports were when Bo Jackson played, I don't know kind of the grind of how much time you put in, but it seems like now both those sports are full-time year-round jobs. In baseball, you report the spring training in February. Mm-hmm. And then, um, at least in the pros, your season ends in September. And then if you make the postseason, October. Mm-hmm. So you only have three months off all year. And in that off time, you're training. And you're right. getting in shape for next year. Right. You're not resting. Um, you're just sitting on the couch the whole time. Right. And then with football, you start training camp in July. And then your regular season ends in December. And then the playoffs are January and the Super Bowls are February. And then it starts back up. So there's only, what, five months where there's no games? Mm-hmm. So, and everything overlaps. In July, what do you do? Do you play with your Major League Baseball team mm-hmm. if you are fortunate enough to make it? Mm-hmm. Um, and miss out on all that time as the quarterback I think that's the big, that's the big yeah. factor is the position he's trying to exactly. play. Exactly. If he was going to be a receiver – or a corner or a safety, kind of like what Dion was, um, running back like Bo Jackson was, 
is different. But as the quarterback, you are the leader of that team. You are the face of that franchise. Right. As a first-round pick, it's like you're the guy. Exactly. So I don't – it wouldn't work. There's no way it would work. And I think it just even just mastering the playbook and leading the offense and getting familiar with the guys, like I think what, what Bo Jackson was able to do is he was just so talented. And they kind of messed up his eligibility, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so he refused to play with them. And then he got drafted by Kansas City Royals and played outfield for them. And then got drafted by the Raiders because he was still on the board uh, in a different kind of, I think, a different kind of draft. And so then he was able just to plug and play as a running back. He was basically just hit the hole, right. do your thing, you know. And he was so talented he could do that. Um, but yeah, with Murray, it is it is different, and I think that's a huge factor of him trying to play quarterback as a leader for him to either miss a lot of time in baseball. Or you're missing like training camp, which is where all these guys are getting, they're learning so much and building camaraderie with the team. I think the hard part is he would actually, it'd be, I think it'd be very tough with him and his teammates on both sides. I think that he would have some hard time. Like there might be some animosity towards right. him. I think it's even just little factors like that. Right. So it'd be really fun to see, but I think there's, it's a, there's a lot of factors, I think, right. that make it really hard. So if the Raiders were still in Oakland, because mm-hmm. of course they're leaving to go to Vegas. Right. If the Raiders were still in Oakland, and let's say that he decides to play both, and he would be drafted by the Raiders, they'd somehow work it out. Hypothetically, it would work. He get mm-hmm. drafted by the Raiders. So Derek Carr, let's say, starts this year. Not a problem this year. He's able to manage his time playing minor league ball for the A's, backup quarterback for the Raiders. Um, but during his minor league stay, he has sins. So he's everything we thought he was and better in baseball. Mm-hmm. He has sins, and he's up in AAA in the year. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward to 2021. Um, Carr's gone. They decide that Kyler's the guy now. Mm-hmm. They've seen enough from him to know that he's their quarterback. Right. At the same time, he's the starting center fielder for the Oakland A's. What does he do? If the A's are in a playoff push in September, when his regular season, and let's say the Raiders, by some miracle, are good by then, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be a good year for the Raiders, what does he do? Do you stay with the A's that are making a playoff push, or do you play quarterback, or do you somehow try to mix it? I, that's what I don't. I don't see. It's think weird. It I think. I think. And then I think there's these weird contract things too. Of say because he signed with Oakland first, he's obligated to them first because he signed the deal with them first, and they have the first exactly. rights to him. And so it's either you'd have to do stuff like that, where you have the certain rights at certain times. It just it, yeah, it gets weird. I personally think the best way, the most likely way of him playing two sports is that he plays one first, retires, and then tries the other one. Right. Kind of like what Tim Tebow did. He's doing baseball now. He's doing baseball now, and so I could see him playing football first. And then, say he's thirty-one, tired of, and then just goes for baseball. But there's no, there's no guarantee for right. that either. I think that's probably the best scenario for him playing. There is currently a National Football League player who is under contract in Major League Baseball. Do you know who it is? I do know how it is. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. That's right. And he, I saw the other day where he said he is going to report to Yankees camp. He's, he keeps pretty reporting. much for a PR thing. I'm think, sure that's I, what it is. I think it's what it is. Because he got he actually was drafted by the Rangers, I think, yeah. and his rights got traded. Yeah. In a very PR move. Oh, so yeah. I mean, 
I would enjoy him trying to play baseball because I remember seeing him in person because he went to NC State mm-hmm. as a Clemson fan. Um, used to watch him some too, and he can he can play. He was a good defensive second baseman. He could mm-hmm. hit. Um, the harder thing, I think, is that there's also they're two totally separate separate sports. It's two totally separate skills, and him coming back to try to hit. I think it's the hardest thing. Right. Hitting a baseball is like one of the toughest things to do. And when you haven't been doing it, because like you're saying, if you're playing it for a year round football, you're not swinging a bat. It's totally different. And trying to, to get that coordination back or to just even get used to it, it's just a lot different than say if he was a pitcher, Kyle Murray was a pitcher. So yeah, it'd be fun. I would, I would personally enjoy seeing two. I think it's really fun, but it, they're so specialized now and there's so much money on the line too where it's like really hard to and also seeing that Bo Jackson got hurt playing football and then it messed up his baseball career you know so I think just teams right. are so protective of their assets too so it all leads to if you were Kyler Murray what would you do if I were Kyler Murray I would probably choose baseball um, but then again like for me I like this I like the steadiness of baseball more um, you're still made five million dollars and also the thing is, too, if it doesn't work out in baseball, say you just can't hit anymore, you're three years down the road, you could go be a quarterback in the NFL and still make some money if you really wanted to. I think it's harder. To, for me, I, I would feel like it would be harder to switch from football to baseball than baseball to football. That's just me. I don't know. Um, but also, I, I like the steadiness of baseball, of that it's a longer earning potential. It's a longer career. It's less hits on the body. Um, and I think that, um, it's just, it's a longer thing. And I think it's also a way of like in the NFL, he'd be one star among many stars. Like it's not like he would, we like can name off so many people. He could become the guy in baseball and help make it transcendent. So it's also a matter of, do you want to be, I also view it as like, do you want to be the, Alabama star on like a very loaded Alabama team or do you want to be the guy and make your team ascend to the top too so for me I'd probably choose baseball gotcha so full disclosure today is Saturday September excuse me September <laughs> football season start back <laughs> Saturday January the 12th um, and Kyler Murray has not made an official decision so we do not know at this point what he's doing yet no um, he threw his name back into the NFL draft it's kind of the right. I mean, that seems like it's close. Right, the closest it seems we know. right. Um, so by the time that you hear this, he will have made his decision, and this will be obsolete. But if I were Kyler Murray, the limelight of football is too much to pass up. Really? Yes. So he had every intention of playing baseball. He was a number nine overall pick, mm-hmm. um, and the AU's were gracious enough to say, "Hey, you want to play your football? I mean, we have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. Go do it." And for them, they were thinking, too, like, okay, we're getting the star. So he's going back to football. He's going to be quarterback, taking over Baker Mayfield. People are going to know who he is. Mm-hmm. It's going to boost our ticket sales in his minor league games. It's going to have the Tebow effect. Um, that's when Tebow was going up through the Mets and all his mm-hmm. games. He played back. Tebow played in Columbia, just down the road from here. Right, Fireflies. And the Fireflies <laughs> sold out all the time. Oh, it, I Tebow. went one. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So – he would have that effect on their minor league teams. So whenever they're playing single-A games in the middle of nowhere, people would want to come to see Kyler. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so for the A's, it was a great move. But then he blew up, and he became the player and the star that he has this year. Right. So if you have a chance to be a first-round quarterback in a world now in America where the NFL is king and these quarterbacks are instant stars that everyone knows their name, you're going to make this money, although it's not guaranteed. Still a lot of money to set up, set up you and your family for the rest of your life. Right. It's too much to pass up for him. Yeah. He's got to go to the NFL draft. Yeah. It's got to happen. Yeah. Do you think he's able to go to the NFL draft and then pick which one after that to see he's better? Or do you think – does does he I have to declare one – like, does he have to declare he's going to the NFL to then be in the NFL draft? I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, so if he declares himself for the draft, the A's are going to ask him to pay back his signing bonus. Mm -hmm. And then it's going to be – and then they're going to do what the Braves did this year and file a grievance to try to get um, compensation and another draft pick in this next year's draft or however it works to be able to make up for that pick. So with the Braves last year, whenever they drafted uh, Carter Stewart and high school pitcher – um, he was hurt, and apparently they weren't aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Carter Stewart filed a grievance because he never signed in time with the Braves because the Braves offered him less money than he was wanting, um, filed a grievance, but the Braves actually won it. So the Braves are going to get, I think, the number nine pick in this year's draft, mm-hmm. um, and Carter Stewart's going to go to junior college and try to come back in next year. He wanted to originally be a free agent. But I think that they're going to make him go and be in the draft again. Okay. Um, yeah, so the A's are going to make him pay back his signing bonus. So his first NFL contract won't look as, as pretty as it looks on paper because four point whatever, over four million of that is going back to the A's. Right. Basically, his, basically um, his sign, if he was Lamar Jackson, his whole signing bonus would go back. Exactly. But if we think we're, he's going where we think he's going in the top ten – that could be like a fourth of his signing exactly. bonus. You know, so it is still a lot of money. Right. So yeah, I think I think he's playing football. Yeah. yeah. I honestly I would not be that mad if the Panthers drafted him. <laughs> it would be it would be pretty fun if the Panthers drafted him. Um, and for the record, I think he probably will sign football. Yeah. I think. I mean, me personally, I would. And that's again, I love, I mean, baseball has been my, I've loved baseball since I was a kid. So being able to chance to play in the major leagues would be like, that's my dream. Right. But, and again, that's his dream. So, all right, for this last um, part of today's episode, we're going to jump into an article that Will graciously wrote um, for the website um, about the SEC. And so, Will, just kind of give kind of give the people a little bit of an idea of what you were wanting to dive into with that article. Yeah, so it's something that I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, it's been five, six years since there's been any kind of major expansion mm-hmm. um, with conference realignment and things like that. Um, and it's something that I feel like is coming, especially with the playoffs and then the Big Ten being left out this year. They're wanting to get to eight teams. Uh, I feel like there's some change coming in college football, mm-hmm. and I think that it could kick off with expansion. Um, so I wrote an article, um, and I entitled it uh, College Football 2030 SEC. 
Um, and hopefully, if, if people like it enough, um, Nick will let me write some more uh, nah. for the other conferences and kind of how I see them playing out too. Um, but in the article, I break down what the SEC, I think, will look like in 2030. Um, they're going to get to 16 teams. Um, that's yeah. going to happen. So they're going to add two. Um, I'm not going to tell you who they are. Uh, i got to get you to read the article. Um, but they're going to break it down so it's not going to be east and west anymore. They're going to split them into four 14 pods. Mm. Um, and so with each pod, so the way the schedule is going to break down is you play every team in your pod every year. So um, an example of a pod, without being too spoilery, would be Alabama, Auburn, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. They're a pod in my prediction. Right. So they all play each other every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you p- play another pod. So I say if you're one of those four teams, you're also going to play four games against another pod. Mm-hmm. And so everybody in your pod plays that pod. And the next year it splits or it switches. So you play another pod the next year the last pod you haven't played yet. So you play everybody within three years. So instead of it being as it is now where you have a rival, you play in the other division every year and then you just rotate the other team. Right. So you play every team, like all the other teams you like every play, six years, right? Or something like that. Yeah. It works out something like The last time we played, we play Alabama this year at home, uh, 2019, which is not going to be pretty. Um, last time we played Alabama was 2010 when I was there and we beat them. Um, so it's been nine years since we played Alabama. So in this situation, you would get to play every team while you were in college. Um, right. Clemson's played Alabama more than South Carolina has. Exactly. Which is pretty crazy to think about. Yes. Um, so, of course, with that, um, you've got to say, okay, well, what about the Georgia-Auburn rivalry? What about the Tennessee-Alabama rivalry? Um, there would also be – one permanent cross-divisional rival for each team, mm-hmm. not in their pod. Sure. And I've got it lined up where each team has that one rival from a different pod they would sure. play every year. Yeah. Um, which kind of begs the question, like, okay, so what if my rival that I'm playing every year is in the pod that we're scheduled to play that year? So in that case, too, each rivalry has like a sister partner rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, that they would play in those off years. So okay. it kind of, talking about it, doesn't make as much sense as what I actually drew out and wrote up in a Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, essentially you would play every team within three years in the conference. Is the goal, with, but maintaining the rivalries right. that are already in place that you don't want to get rid of. Like You don't want to get right. rid of Alabama-Tennessee, even though Alabama's been pretty dominant recently. I mean, it's a traditional rival that you want to – that's what makes college right. football so great is that you have those. Spoiler alert, you've never been able to tweet, Tennessee just beat Alabama. That rival – that uh, Tennessee hasn't won since Twitter was created. Oh. So, sorry, Tennessee fans, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Um, they, they're probably aware. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. So, that's kind of the point of it. Um, I go through some teams that – would make sense, but aren't ultimately the teams. Um, some teams that, or I should say teams, some schools um, mm-hmm. that would make sense but aren't in. Some teams that um, possibly could be in but don't make as much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of go through the schedules, what it looks like. 
and they're so where the teams end up coming from, there's going to be ramifications and how well, that sure. expands to other leagues. Yeah, um, which is what I said. I'll get into um, in a later article, and the Big Ten won't be far behind the SEC. They may even be in front of them. So that would probably be the next the next one to come is what the Big Ten will do as their response or That's, kind of how it plays out from there. Yeah. But yeah, so check it out. Um, it's something I've been thinking about for a while. Like I said, mm-hmm. um, I think it's I think it's a pretty fun read. Yeah, I, it's a really it's a really cool read. I got a lot of interesting thoughts um, from it. So definitely come and check it out. Um, it's got a lot of interesting ramifications, and I think it'll be really cool to kind of think through of what that could potentially look like. In a short amount of years, because we were saying the same thing, you know, five, seven years ago, and we had all these changes, and, you know, now you have, like, a West Virginia playing in the Big 12 and Missouri playing in the SEC East, which you wouldn't think of that being the possibility, but that's the reality we live in. And so, and especially if we go to an 18-team play, 18 playoff, you know, you could have two conferences decide to join up and make a mega conference and say, you know what, we're not getting in, so we're going to do the best we can where you have other teams like a UCF, like what do they do? Um, Because they're not getting the respect nationally and not playing enough people. So like, do they move into something? And so there's a lot of cool possibilities, but it is like with coaching when you have someone filling somebody else's spot and there's another spot that opens and you have to fill it in. And there's a huge ramification um, with all that. So go and check it out on backyardcatch.com. Um, All right. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Will. Thanks for having me, Nick. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hope, uh, some other time we meet up and get to talk some more. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I love that. All right. And as for now, we'll catch you on the flip side.